Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Muzzle Is All podcast, where I am your host, Nakia Monet. And today we're going to be talking about a very sensitive topic. It potentially could be a trigger. So I just want to put out trigger alert to anyone that could possibly uh, be triggered by tonight's content um, because it is sensitive. And I, I want to acknowledge the fact that I know that it is a sensitive topic. I know that it can draw on the emotions of a person and it can also trigger memories of a person. So I want to put that out there. Potential trigger alert uh, with regards to what we're talking about tonight, which is rape culture. And uh, part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this tonight is because I briefly touched on it maybe about three, four weeks ago. And I said that when I came back, I was actually going to come back and do this topic, but I wanted to do it with actual licensed, uh, possibly psychologists. I said, I said therapists. I said, I even wanted to bring law enforcement, whatever the case may be, because sometimes when you're hearing things based on one person whom you know is not an expert in something, it, 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 it turns into it being like, as if it's my opinion. And I want to be very clear. Everything that I said three, four weeks ago was not my opinion. It was straight fact. And what's going to be said tonight is not going to be opinion-based. It's just going to be based on the facts of the matter. And why? Because I think that it's important that we have this level of a conversation. I think that far too long, we shy away from comfortable, uncomfortable topics because it makes us feel a certain type of way. So we kind of shy away from those things and we don't openly discuss them because number one, people love to argue, which is what happened to me. Uh, people love to diminish what you're saying, which is what happened to me. Um, and people love to try to refute what you're saying, which is what happened to me. So I said, you know what, let me come back and bring actual uh, people that could be, that would be experts in this field because this is something that they encounter on 
possibly even a daily basis, right? On average, on average, a daily basis, right? So tonight we have Dr. Tay Bassett. Tay, introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Tay Bassett. I am a psychologist and professor in higher education, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me, sis. Thank you for joining. And we have great Grace. You know what? Grace took, she, Grace said, okay, go ahead. Grace. I have it. What I do? Because I'm like, where you? I'm like, where your title at? But go ahead, Grace. Uh, oh, I didn't put um, because you know, okay. I are for my coaching stuff too. So, <laughs> that is <laughs> um, my name is Grace. I am a um, board certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. So, I do treat those in mental health illnesses and also substance use. So, thank you for having me, Nikia. You are welcome. And then we have my brother here, AJ. AJ, introduce yourself. My name is AJ Johnson. I'm actually a sergeant on the, on the police department. Um, I've investigated and I've worked on uh, numerous um, sexual assault uh, cases on down to family, personal. So I have a little bit of experience in that aspect of this conversation. And this is why I said I wanted to have a conversation with this group of people and more if they decide to um, to, to pop in. And I wanted to have a conversation with this group of people because I can only give you my personal um, experience. By law, AJ can give you what the actual law states as far as what is the actual definition of consent? What does that mean when a person can legally consent to having sexual intercourse with another person. And we understand that there are variations by state. However, as a whole, the United States has what they consider to be consensual sexual intercourse. AJ, can you please tell us by law, what is the definition of consent? Uh, yes, I can. First, I want to start off by saying, um, one, thanks for having me. And two, if you're watching this and you feel like you are a victim of sexual assault, I have to say that you have to or you should report it. And there are different avenues that you can report um, if you feel that you are a victim of sexual assault or if you're not sure, it's still avenues. It's a hotline you can call and reach out or reach out to your local authorities. Uh, now, because uh, rape, also known as sexual assault, um, because it varies from uh, state to state, I want to read verbatim a general definition of what it is. And it says that it's um it generally refers to a non-consensual, non-consensual sexual acts that are either committed by force, threat of injury, or duress, or committed against people who are legally or otherwise unable to consent. And so anytime you look at the definition of what sexual assault is, when it comes to the law, the law takes into account what the law says consent is and who cannot give consent. And some quick examples um of people who can't give consent is a person whose judgment is impaired, which means if you go out, um, grab a few drinks, and um, you think that if I get this person um, drunk, I take them home, and you know they consent to the moment that we're good to go. The law says is sexual assault. Um, or a person who is mentally incapacitated, a person who you know have a mental disease or a mental disorder, if you are a caretaker, if you are a relative, any person who you know is has any type of mental disorder, they can't consent. Clergy member, a person who has a position, who uses it to say, you know what, if you have sex with me, you know, God will be pleased with you. Or if you if you do this sexual act, you know, you'll be blessed by God. It can be considered um, 
sexual assault because you use your position of authority to coerce or force a person. Um, if you are a healthcare provider and you decide to take a, an exam too far, you know, any person of authority pretty much position authority to dominate or to coerce or make a person um, to having, having sex or a person who's passed out. Um, one more um, example is a coach, like, a, um, you, you know, you are on a sports team and a coach says that, you know, if you do this right here, then I'll, you know, help you start on the team. These are actually sounds like minor examples, but these are real life examples and things that I've encountered on a day-to-day uh, -day basis. So something to walk away from is that when it becomes, uh, even with the code or the law with sexual assault, the law takes an account of who can and who cannot consent. That's the pretty much... Um, if I could give a quick story, will you allow mm -hmm. me? Yep. Um, I investigated an account to where this guy and his friends, they were actually two football players. They had went out to a bar with a young lady. And um, she was willing to go to the bar, willing to go back to the place after, um, after drinks. And so regardless of how many drinks she had, um, at some point, they end up having sexual intercourse. And so she wakes up in the morning and says, I think something happened to me that I didn't consent to. Now, a lot, of course, she went and got the rape exam, and it was said that, of course, you know, she had um, intercourse with the guys. But the law looks at it as far as um, a lot of people think that in order for a person to consent or not consent, you have to have some type of an injury to where you fought them off or you resisted or, you know, you, you, were, you were forced. No, her judgment was impaired. And because her judgment was impaired and the jury ruled and the judge ruled that you cannot um, have a sexual act with a person who cannot say, yeah. And in this case, she was not capable of saying, yeah, she was not capable of being, you know, of giving consent. And so she actually won a case and those people were actually convicted of sexual assault. Wow. And you heard it straight from him as an officer of the law, a sergeant, um, which is directly related to what I mentioned um, a few weeks ago, where I said a very similar situation that he even just described happened to me. And the person told me that I told him no. And he said that he just kept trying until I gave in. But at what point, if I already said no, did you not take no to be the final answer? Why keep trying a person until they give in, knowing that I was visibly inebriated? He wasn't because he doesn't drink. So the premise was, I just wanted to make sure you're safe. And then it turned into, you violated me in my own home. So... When people take on the attitude of, well, you were intoxicated, it didn't seem like you weren't into it, you cannot have sex with a person that is visibly intoxicated. You know they're intoxicated. You know that they're under some form of the influence, even if it's under the influence of drugs or narcotic. You cannot have sex with a person and then they wake up the next morning and they have no idea what the heck happened to them. That's rape. It's a sexual assault. And we have to stop sugarcoating it and, and, as a, and, and making it seem like, and this goes for a man or a woman. This is not, you know, this is not, this isn't just a one way street where this only happens to women. No, it happens to men as well. Mm -hmm. And we have to stop acting like this does not happen. Because at the end of the day, and especially if, if both parties 
are impaired, right? At the end, just lay down and go to sleep. Because what you don't want is an unwanted sexual assault case. And like how AJ just described, she won her case. She could not, legally, she couldn't consent. And I think we need to start thinking about that as we continue on and as we continue in this life, especially, you know, single people, whatever, we need to think about that. And they don't have to fight you. A lot of times, one of the misconceptions with rape is that if you're, uh, you know, that they, people zero in on the force part, like, you know, uh, there are no bruises on her. There are no marks on him. You know, I didn't punch him. Yeah. But the fact that somebody says no, you know what I mean? And they didn't resist you. It's still the law calls it sexual assault. So even though I did, even though they didn't fight, they didn't punch, they didn't scratch, they didn't scream. And you feel that because, well, you didn't punch me. Well, you didn't scream that you must have liked it. The law says it's a crime and it's, it's sexual assault because they said no. No means no under any circumstances. One question, uh, Trinette said, she said my question. Once a woman tells a man that him touching her or taking her clothes off is non-consensual and he proceeds anyway, is that rape? Uh, that's a crime. <laughs> it, it can be, it could be, um, it depends on the state. The state may not call it a uh, rape it could be called sexual um harassment um it, it all depends on a particular state but it's definitely a crime it's definitely a crime but the um, burden of proof would be on this particular person to you know to say that you said no because a lot of times too if you want to talk about this you have to have it like a balanced conversation because there are people who would um you know they would engage in some type of a sexual activity they'll lead it up they'll consent but then once to get out, they'll say, oh, you know what? I didn't want to do it no more. It's rape. So, but in this case, like if you are in a situation and you say no, it's a crime and you should report it to local authorities. Anytime anybody does anything to you that you does not, you don't consent to, it's a crime pretty much. She said, when do men and women own accountability for drinking um, alcohol? Uh, the law doesn't look look at it like that. The law doesn't look, the law tends to, um, oh, I'm sorry, was that for me or was that for you? No, no, that's for you. That, that's, listen, that's straight law. If I said, yeah. I don't want, I don't want opinions yeah. here. You go ahead. It, it, the law says, if you say no, it's no. If you're not in a position to consent, then you can't consent. And so you can't say that, oh, we both went out, we both had drinks, we both drunk, so I took advantage of the situation. If the person cannot consent, look what the law says. You have to be able to consent. If a person cannot consent to sexual activity of any type, you shouldn't do it. It's against their will because they never told you yet. They can't consent to it. That's the law. Now that doesn't mean you'll be convicted. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean a jury won't, won't understand, you know, once the elements are out and the facts are out, that doesn't mean that, you know, you know, the person won't be convicted of rape or sexual assault. It just means that the law says that you have to be in a position to give consent. So I wouldn't even play it like that. I wouldn't even gamble with, you know, arguing over, you know, whether or not you wanted it or how many drinks you had. If the person cannot consent, it's technically a crime. Um, Trinette. Okay, so she just said um, she was recently date raped, but she chose not to file charges and she was fully sober. You know, I don't, I don't think, whether you are sober or not doesn't take away from the fact that if you if 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 you communicated stop no 
then that person should have heeded to your to 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 your request, to your demand. Because at the end of the day, that's a full on demand of no, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm sorry that that happened to you. I really am. Go ahead, AJ. I see you unmuted. Yeah, and the fact that you had those feelings let you know that you were sexually assaulted, and you should you should report that to the authorities. The fact that you feel that because um, a lot of times when people who are like yourself, they don't report activities like this, people do it again and they do it again. And so by you telling your story, if you're comfortable, you know, in your right time and, you know, filing that report, you can, you know, prevent that from happening to another person. If you want to, I know you might not want to take that on or whatever the case may be, but um, you definitely, I believe that you definitely um, were a victim of sexual assault because of one, how you feel about it. It's not something you wanted. So you should definitely look into um, actually talking to someone about um, filing charges about that situation. Mm-hmm. AJ, is there anything else you can give us as according to the law before we get into the psychological effect? The law won't take into account. A lot of people won't file. Um, a lot of times when you have, when I've investigated people or circumstances when it comes to sexual assault, the first thing the victim does sometimes is blame themselves. This is how they do it. But dang, if I wouldn't have went out to get drinks, I should have went straight home. If I wouldn't have, because you can consent to a kiss. You can consent to cuddling. You can consent to a whole lot of things. But when it becomes, anytime you say no, it's it's a crime, right? So let's say you were in a situation and you went out with this guy, this girl, and you know, you guys are feeling each other. Um, You know, you were cool with kissing. You were cool with going into um, the bedroom, you were cool with some sexual activity, but at any given time, when you say stop, they have to stop. It's not, it's a crime if they continue to go. So don't take it on like, dang, I put myself in a situation. I should have never went out. I should have never went with this guy. I should have never been in the room with three girls. I should have never, because men are sexually assaulted too, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we tend to focus on the women, but there are actually men who are sexually assaulted that don't report it because the victim has shame. They, you know, they look at, how did I get myself in the situation? Uh, what are people going to think about it? So, yeah, it, it, at any time you say stop, they have to stop, and it's a crime. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter how far you went. If you say stop, they have to stop. If they don't, you it's a crime. told me, he was like, you shouldn't have been drinking. I said, the... and you were drinking juice. So what's your excuse? If I'm inebriated, you were sober, you said, now you telling me, because I didn't remember anything. If he's telling me I said no, I said, so what's wrong with you? And your ability to comprehend a no, as opposed to continuing and continuing and continuing. If I told you sober, I wouldn't mess with you. What the hell make you think I really would want to drunk? It don't change, right? But 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 that's the thing. that, And that's the thing that I'm talking about with, People in general, men and women alike, we have to understand that there are certain behaviors that are just not not acceptable. And that's one of them. You know, you want to act like an animal, you get treated like an animal, then you get put behind bars like an animal. Right. But if you out here in this good society, then you need to learn how to act as a human being. Okay, and human beings understand yes and they understand no. And they also understand when a person cannot consent. I cannot consent because I am inebriated, I am intoxicated, I am high, I am whatever it is that I am. I am mentally incapable of making a a sound decision. You see it all the time, but it's as if those lines get blurred because 
no one fully understands law. And that's why I want to AJ on here because I said, being it that I had a whole argument two weeks ago about this, I said, well, you know what? Let's bring it back and let's really talk law. Because at the end of the day, nobody's opinion can trump what's actual law, right? So let's bring it back and let's talk actual law. So thank you, AJ. I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate you giving us the straight facts concerning the law and helping us to understand that what consent actually is. Uh, and like you said earlier, it's it's a matter of who can consent and who cannot. You know, we know that there's a legal age of consent, you know, so in, in most states, anyone that is under the age of 16 cannot legally consent to sex, you know, and then there are certain variations in, even in between that, between between certain ages and stuff like that. Like there's so many different uh, avenues that the law takes per each state. And I think that it's about time that we begin to educate ourselves on the law because some of y'all running around here just as dumb as it pertains to law and it and it shows through your actions and it shows by the how you speak you know and i can't say ignorant because you can search out laws online all day and, and and understand law so i can't say anybody is ignorant to the fact you're just dumb to it because you're you, you're willfully dumb because you won't look it up mm -hmm. and then you try to spew dumbness onto people that have actual knowledge because you're dumb. I don't deal with dumb very well. So thank you, AJ, for uh, dispelling the uh, <laughs> the ignorance and the stupidity because we need to understand law. You know, these things are a matter of law. This isn't this isn't a matter of opinion. And someone just oh, I'm just off off the cusp telling you something. No, it's law. And that's why I said rape culture because a lot of the times what's happening is is that. Um, there's been a culture that has been uh, embedded inside of society where a lot of this stuff has been said to be okay. Oh, just pop an e-pill and you'll be fine. You know, oh, just smoke on this. Oh, well, just here, just get a drink and just relax. You got to relax. No, that's a culture of rape. We can't keep having this culture and thinking that it's okay because it's not okay. And what's going to happen is, is that we're going to begin to see more and more people speaking out about what has happened to them because it's, 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 it's honestly, it's disgusting. And it's a bit barbaric. If you ask me, like at the end of the day, there's so much free stuff out here. You don't have to take from anybody, mm -hmm. but thank you, AJ. Cause I don't want you to get, I don't, I don't want you to get in trouble based on my opinion. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Bye. You know, we got to protect our law enforcement officers. They can't, they can't be engaged in opinion-based conversation, which I'm, I'm happy about. That that then, like I said, that was the reason why. But you guys handle this from the other side mm -hmm. because you see the other the the other effects of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times, when a person has gone through something like that, psychologically, it begins to affect them. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the psychological effect. You want me to start, Doctor T, or? You go ahead. Go ahead, sis. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so I work in private practice. I deal with patients, um, many patients who've been sexually abused. Um, they either been as an they either been as an adult of sexual assault, or even uh, many of them as children. And you know, children can't consent at all. You know what I mean? So, and a lot of times, people think is like strangers. They think a lot of times it's strangers, but it's a lot of majority of the time it's people who is proximity to you. 
because your guard is down a little bit more because you trust them. Um, so I deal with a lot of patients who, who have went through some form of sexual trauma and they wind up having post-traumatic stress disorder from it. Um, and they live in their lives now, like literally trapped in their minds, even with medication, even with therapy is still something difficult that they are, they have to process every day. They're going to live with this for the rest of their life because even little things can trigger them. There may be a smell, there may be a sound there. They are maybe a place they have to avoid because it would trigger and bring what we call it is re-experiencing. So they're basically having flashbacks. So what that does is put them back in that scene of um, what's happened to them. So imagine this thing happened to you and then you're reliving it every day. It's like it's, you're rehearsing it every day. You're being victimized again. Um, so I see a lot of that. Um, then it leads to depression, it leads to anxiety. Um, just very paranoid word that some, someone's going to go hurt them. And um, men and women, I have both who's been sexually abused or raped, you know, um, some form of um, uh, a sexual assault towards them. And um, those who have children now raising their children is difficult because they're um, more overprotective, which is understandable for their kids because they don't want the same thing to happen to their children. Um, I have people who are in relationships or married in relationships. It goes either way. They either are scared to have sex with their partner because of the trauma they experienced. So they don't really know how to go through. Um, they don't know how to build intimacy. You know, just the thought of doing that. They have fear of it. And there's some people may not even be in a relationship at all. They go the opposite. They become very hypersexual because they no longer value themselves. They're, they have a distorted image of what sex is because um, maybe as a child, they was introduced to it. The, they was introduced to the wrong way. So that it distorts their mind. So now they, they have low self-esteem. They don't value themselves and they, they now see themselves. Okay, well, this is what I'm going to do because this was taken from me. So I'm going to be hypersexual because this is, this is what I identify with. So people don't understand that this is something chronic that they they it, <laughs> they live with for the rest of their life. Not that not that someone can't get the help they need and and manage through it, but it's not going to go away. It's just not. So that's something that people have to really consider. Just because you don't see someone physically going through something does not mean that they're not trapped in their minds. Right. And I, I definitely agree with that. Cause I know after it happened to me, I threw everything out, everything, sheets, towels, everything to not have to, um, have that memory. You know what I'm saying? Like, or lack, or lack thereof, so to speak. Cause I don't remember, you know, which is crazy. Cause I still don't remember, but, um, it was, it was, it was just a fact of knowing that it happened and it took place. Mm -hmm. And then having to find a way to rebuild, you know, um, your home is your safety place. So mm -hmm. now you got to find a way to feel safe again in your home, especially when it happens in, 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 in the place in which you're supposed to feel the most safe where you live. Right. And that goes with anything that violates you in your home. Right. Like if you get robbed in your home, you have to go through the steps in order to 
you know, allow yourself again to feel safe in your own home. And I think that part of the issue is, is that we don't understand the psychological effect of a violation, right? How that affects me in my everyday life, in my everyday being, and how even a even AJ said it, you begin to blame yourself. Because I know I did it. I was like, I shouldn't have been drinking. I shouldn't have been this. I shouldn't have been that. I should have just did this. I should have, I don't know why the hell I did that. But it goes into the same mindset of when you are inebriated, such as your guard is down. And then, like you said, Grace, when you know a person, because it's not like he, he wasn't a stranger. I knew he was, you know, so your guard might be down to the point where you think that he ain't going to violate, mm -hmm. but he violated, yeah. you know, and that, and that's the thing. And, and that's the thing I don't think people fully understand is, is that when you violate a person in their most sacred space and in their most sacred place, they have to go through all the things that they have to go through. Mm -hmm. And you just sit in there like, as if, yeah. Absolutely. And I, I love that you have different perspectives presented tonight or represented tonight. Like you had the legal aspect and Grace, you talked about the the response of the individual. But one thing that everyone has really spoken about but not said it directly was the social aspect. Like the topic tonight is race, rape culture. Culture means that there's yeah. a social aspect to it. So a lot of people will bl blame themselves for a number of different reasons. One, invalidation. Rape culture is a culture of invalidation. So victim blaming and, and, and saying that, oh, well, you shouldn't have been, or you couldn't have been, or you didn't say, or you should have said, that's, that's victim blaming. And if we grow up in homes in, 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 uh, in society, society or groups of people where we're invalidated, mm -hmm. then we're not going to, one, consider what we experience trauma Mm -hmm. And that goes on in a lot of communities, especially communities of color. So if we're invalidated, oh, well, what, what I what, what went through was normal. If it was normal, then what I'm experiencing should isn't really a, tra a trauma response. If it's not a trauma response, then I shouldn't be getting help. And what I just described yeah. is a vicious cycle that so many people go through, all because they were yeah. invalidated, all because, oh, well, what, you ha what happened to you wasn't technically rape. Technically, by whose standards? I said no. So that whole, mm -hmm. the fact that we're, we have to have this whole conversation speaks to the social issue, the heavy social issue. Yes, there's a an individual response. We have the psychological response. There's a neuropsychological response and how the brain literally changes after a trauma. Yeah. But there's a social piece too, which is extremely important. Like, because when you speak about the social piece, that's calling a lot of people to the carpet. Maybe you were not a perpetrator. Maybe you weren't a survivor, but maybe it's something that you posted that invalidated those who have gone through it. Like we have to really be mindful of that. We all kind of play a part in this. No, I definitely agree. And, and that's one of the main reasons why I said, yeah, it's a culture. It's a culture of rape that 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 we, we we live in currently in this society that bred something that definitely invalidated the experience right mm -hmm. because at the end of the day you know your truth of the matter is when people started 
really promoting ecstasy and oh you just have this high mm. and oh and this sex will just be so great why is the sex so great on ecstasy as opposed to just having sex why because you're so free and you're so uninhibited to the point where you're willing to do any and everything that you you could possibly even think of things that you probably wouldn't have thought of doing sober you're going to do on some type of narcotic that literally places you in a position of like like a hallucinogen you know what i'm saying oh i'm just so free oh i'm just so oh and then next thing you know it triggers something sexually inside of you to where it increases your your level of hunger right whatever that that sex appetite is so now it said that oh you can go for hours and hours if you just take this well would you do that if you were sober would you do that if you were not so uninhibited would you really act that way would you re and, and and it's been embedded inside of a culture to where it has now become normalized for this way of thought right and that's why that way of thought is there that way of thought says well i mean so what if they're if so what if they're high so what if they're so what if they're intoxicated she's with it he's with it we're all with it not realizing that that person legally cannot consent mm -hmm. so this is where we go with it and this is what happens and then like you said tay and everyone else is saying then you have a culture that says, well, I can't report it because it's my fault too. Yeah. Yeah. And let's be real. This crap happens even in the church. Mm -hmm. This ain't outside mm -hmm. the world, so to speak, right? This ain't just the world, okay? Because mm -hmm. my very first rape happened to me in the church. First time. So... And what I was told was, I mean, well, I mean, didn't you mess with so-and-so? The hell does that have to do with the fact that I told this mother? No. Mm -hmm. What does that have to do with what I said? Right? What did that have to do with the fact that my insides were torn? Nothing. But because now it's gone back to that, it's a culture of rape because now we got to blame the person because you don't want to take a deeper look inside to say this is wrong because it was just wrong it shouldn't have happened but then you get the well why were they in your house what the, the what does that matter mm -hmm. why does that matter and this is the problem that i have because even even as of a couple of weeks ago, what the person told me, but I'm like, I'm explaining the topic and why I'm doing the topic. And the person said, oh, well, oh, well, I mean, oh, well. <sighs> but that's a problem because that's a mentality. Yeah. It's a mentality to say, oh, well, when the person says they were raped and you say, oh, well, oh, well. I mean, you gave it up. How could I give up something I didn't know I was giving? Right. But that's the culture because that's a mentality that's embedded in this culture because we all came up in the 80s and the 90s where this crap was made OK through music and through industry and through entertainment. And now what we're saying is this was never OK. This was never acceptable. And to be honest with you, these type of people, you know, I'm actually afraid if they even have children, because how are you rearing your child? If this is your level of thought, because 
The person that said that crap to me two weeks ago ain't the only person. Because it's a culture out here that says, oh, well, why? Because this way of having sex has been normalized. Sex intoxicated, sex high, sex under any type of, oh, oh, that's a free for all. She's, he's willing to do whatever. Oh, oh, this is when the freak comes out. That's sick. Mm -hmm. Because if a person is into you, those things will come out regardless if they really into you. Sober. But let's even take it a little bit further, right? Because you have to, and this is the part where I think people are not fully, AJ broke down consent. A person cannot feel that they have no other choice but to have sex with you, right? And let's take it for instance, because I, I brought this up a few weeks ago when I first did it. Rape culture. You, we now we're seeing, and I don't, these probably are parodies. I don't think I don't think all these videos are true, but we're seeing a lot of videos going around now with people, men flying women out to you know vacation spots out of the state, whatever the case may be, spending money. And then when when she gets there and she doesn't want to have sex with them, next thing you know it's this whole big thing that's going on. That's a culture of rape. Who told you that you can expect anybody's body in exchange for anything? It's a culture. That, that's why I said we have a culture out here that is utterly disgusting. And what's happening is we're being now as women, if because this is just pertaining to the women, we're being told, well, why would you accept the trip from a man if you ain't want to have sex with him? Who the hell told y'all that that's a normal way of thinking? Mm -hmm. Because I don't have to have sex with someone because they offered a trip. And I never forget, a man told me this about two years ago because he was like, well, I want to take you here. I was like, oh, okay. What's the catch? Mm. What's, the ca what's the catch? Mm -hmm. I said, are you expecting something? Well, yeah, we, we are, we're going to have sex. I said, and we're not. We would not. Well, that's what's expected. If I fly you here, then you, you should be willing. I said, why the hell would I have sex with you? Enough? I, we, we, we haven't even gone on a date. We haven't even officially gone anywhere. I say, you're volunteering a trip, which I never consented to. I never said yes or no to. I really just wanted to understand his thought because I, I figured that he was that type, right? Conversation tells you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, absolutely not. And I'm not interested in speaking to you. It's a wrap. But if a woman doesn't have that level of conversation, even if she's flirtatious with him, even if she sends him, you know how women, they be sexting and all that stuff or whatever, through the little messages and all that other extra stuff or whatever, even if she changes her mind when she gets there, she got the right to change her mind. But we're, we're, we're in such a society that says, no, she can't. If she accepted that trip, she better put out. That's rape culture. I think also too, to piggyback off what you're saying, um, the culture goes deeper before it even gets to that level. I think mm -hmm. even sexual explicit conversations, um, just making lewd comments, you know, they always they always try to say, quote unquote, is locker room talk or um, men would be men, boys would boys. You know, they use these different phrases to try to validate those type of conversations. I do remember when in my early 20s, when I used to work, I had, when I had started working, I worked in a fast food restaurant and I had a gentleman there that was 
way older than all of us. It's mostly, I was in my early 20s, but there was other people that I was supervising that were even younger than me. And he would make comments about our breasts. He would do all these different things, you know, so all these different things it was very uncomfortable. And I, you know, I, I said something about it. I reported it and it came back like, oh, I was just joking. Oh, y'all so sensitive. And as Dr. T said, is that invalidation? So I was like, no, why? First of all, no one should be making any type of comments, but let's keep it real. You like old <laughs> and you out here showing young girls, you're you talking about your penis and all that stuff. I'm like, bro, like, what is you doing? So it's like, it's like, it's very inappropriate, but if it's been normalized that that type of talk is okay to have, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So it, it just escalates to the point. So I'm not surprised that these, these type, as you said, as a culture and society even exists. We, we can pretend it all day long and, and act delusional, but it's there, you know, and we see it all the time, even now. And as AJ had pointed out, even in the author, in the author, authoritative positions, we see people because they think they have money or power or decision makers, they can be able to do do whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. And we see sometimes in these type of situations, not every state um, is very vigorous when it comes to dealing with these situations. We see a lot of people who may have the power and the access and they get a slap on their wrist. You know what I mean? And then it comes back around again because they didn't get the proper punishment the first time and their mind, they feel like, okay, I can do it again because we have made it okay to go do it again when there wasn't a consequence there. You know what I mean? So we see that pattern all the time, the different cases that came up, like the, I, I hate to say, but more like the high profile cases we have seen of people in these type of positions because they have access and they have power they do this. So a lot of times this does, it doesn't even, even have to do with like the guy that you, that you was mentioned about, about the flying out thing. Sometimes it doesn't even have to even be about the sex itself. It's the, it's about, it's about control, mm -hmm. it's about having access to you because I have the, the money, I have the power or right. you're going to do this because this is an, I'm, I'm doing this for you. So this is the, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like, Bro, you in prostitution, you're dang yourself. <laughs> like, let's keep it let's keep it 100 what it is. If you're paying for sex, baby, you are paying, you are you paying for prostitute. <laughs> I mean, let's keep it 100. That's what you're doing. Baby, mm -hmm. what you doing? Okay, we're gonna keep it real today. So it's the culture goes so much deeper when we have normalized, like where do we draw the line? So right. normalize even having these type of conversations and you know, these conversations are uncomfortable. People have expressed that and we're okay with saying, well, boys may be boys or this is locker room talk or whatever the case may be, or you're being overly sensitive when it's sexual, even they're just like sexual, sexual harassment. Like you have to fight through to even get your case heard for sexual harassment. And mm -hmm. then you'll see, they'll go do their quote unquote investigation, the company, and you see that same person that's harassing you. How do you, how do you expect that person to feel? And you wonder why that person work performance is poor. They got to see their person that insulted them at their job because no consequences was given. You know what I mean? 
And it's, it's, we have to just start thinking about the aftermath. We can prevent things from happening when we look at the aftermath of things so we can know, okay, this is not, this ain't it. And I had a situation like, you know, fortunately I wasn't raped and I, and my, and my heart goes out to when it happened, when to those that it happened to, cause it's horrible. It's a horrible thing to go through. But when I was 19 years old, you know, and I can identify with that propositioning thing. When I was 19 years old, is no is no secret to anyone that I've had issues with my dad for a very long time. So I was always in and out of the house. So, but when I was 19, I wound up um, um, a friend of mine I was staying with for for a while. I kind of like overstayed my welcome a little bit because a lot of the things from my family was starting to bear on her family. So I had to go. And I had called, he was a friend of my dad's. I know him for years, never thought anything about it. You know what I'm saying? I, I've known him for a very long time. So it, he saw me growing up. So you never, as you say, you never think, you know the person. So you never think that anything can happen, right? Mm -hmm. Trust them. So I um, called him and let him know the situation. I'm like, it's late at night. I don't have the place to stay. I'm not trying to be in the streets. And he told me to come to his house. He was close by to where I was staying. So he was like, come to the house, you know, I'll um, pay for your cab. Come to, we didn't have Uber then. This was like 20 something years ago. <laughs> Ain't no Uber. So he's like, we had to cash a cab. I went there and I let, he knew what was, go, what was going on with me. I opened up, was very vulnerable with him because as I, I we, you know, in the African culture, we call everybody our uncle. Like he literally was my father's best friend. Like, I looked at him as an uncle. So I told him everything that was going on with me. He was like, oh, you're good. You know, I'll help, you know, I'll take care of everything. And I was thinking also in my mind, like he could be a mediator for my parents. So I'm going through so many problems with them. You know, a lot of those issues were things I brought on upon myself, but I was hoping he'd be a mediator and could be a kind of help me talk to my parents. So as I was telling him everything, he's like, you know what? I'm going to help you find, get your apartment. You know, I help you do different things. And I'm like, in my mind, okay, bet. I'm 19. Like, what do I know? You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, my uncle's trying to help me out. So he was like, oh, I was like, okay. He said, you can crash here for the night. I said, all right. So I was trying to make myself my, the in the living room, I was going to make a place to lay down or whatever, because it was just so much going on and I need to go to sleep. He was like, no, no, I can't have you sleeping on my couch. Go ahead, take my bedroom. I will stay down here. Just take the bedroom. And I kept assisting. He was like, he just kept assisting for me. I was like, okay, I'm going to go do that. You know, I not thinking in my head that he was planning anything. So I went upstairs. Um, I went upstairs and I went to go lay down. I'm telling you, my head I don't even think um, I hit the, my head hit the pillow that long. And as I was laying down, I wasn't fully asleep yet, but I was laying down. It was pitch dark. You know, this man came in the room. <laughs> this man came in the room. He came in the room and he laid in the bed and I could feel his heavy body. And I got up real quick. Because my instinct, I got up real quick and I was like, what are you doing? He was like, oh, well, you're 19 and you said you wanted to, I told you I was going to help you with your apartment. I'm like, so you think, he's like, I thought we could, you know, have sex. I'm like, have sex? Like, sir, no. So I was like, you, I said, you expect me to have sex with you for you to finance an apartment for me? Like, what do you think this was? And he was like, well, you came over here and I'm like, 
as open I was with him to share with what happened with, you know, with my parents and everything and then have him do that. I was like, I mean, I opened myself up to you and this is what you're trying to do. And all I could think of is like, Lord, don't let this man rape me or kill me. Ain't nobody knows. I'm no, no one really knows I'm here. I was looking around the room to find something to hit him with. Like I was trying to find something because I was so scared. Not all these things running through my head because I didn't know what, what was going to happen. Thankfully, God, he was embarrassed <laughs> and was like he was willing to. He's like, I'm going to put you up in a hotel because he, he was telling me, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. And because he knew it wasn't going to happen, but thank God he didn't do anything. But that incident messed me up. It messed me up for years. And I went, I wanted to reconcile with my parents a little bit later, but my mother, they didn't know at first. And my mother was like, she had, um, this is why I understand about triggers because they were going to go to his house for Christmas. I just broke down and started crying and was like angry. I'm not going. And they were like, my mother's like, why? And I told her what happened to me. Um, and I said, well, he did. I said, like, he violated my tr tr trust. I trusted him. And for him to get in the bed with me and thought I was going to have sex with him for apartment, someone I trusted, someone that was like a father figure to me. And it just, it brought on other things because of my relationship with my dad. And I was like, oh my God, not another man done mess me up you know mm -hmm. I, and i dealt with this for years it was in 2018 when i really started getting help because and then it started affecting my relationships and how i dealt with people because i still had resentment anger in me from someone i trusted to do this to me and it was hard for me to open up to people because of what happened so people don't understand the aftermath that happens when you're violated you know what I mean? Like you, you're, you lose, you, you, you stop trusting people, you know, they don't understand that you have to rebuild yourself again. As you said, Nakia, we depend, you know, where it happened in your home, you got to try to feel safe again. And that's a lot of work <laughs> to do. You know what I mean? To try to feel safe again. So I can identify with my patients, you know, someone I trusted would do something like that, but in our culture too, we see a lot of um, young brides. We see a lot of people, they, you know, they, they're marrying off young girls. Uh, a lot of, they'll marry them off or a lot of um, older men will have young, young, like interested in young, young girls, all these different things. It's a cultural thing, right? So he thought it's okay to do that, you know? And me being an adult does not mean anything. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't want that. That wasn't why I came over here. So mm -hmm. I used to beat myself up about it too. And was like, why did I call my godmother who was around the corner too? Why did I call her? Not why did I go to him? So I used to blame myself for a very long time. Like I caused this because I should never have been at his house at all. You know what I mean? But who would think like someone would do something like that to you? You know what I'm saying? So I understand what you're saying. It's a very, it's a cultural thing because people have grown up and normalized this type of behavior. They think it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's the truth. Dr. T, I know you got to go soon. So I wanted you to go ahead and jump on in. No problem. And <clears throat> you mentioned normalized, just like a lot of the behaviors are normalized. There are a lot of behaviors that are demonized. And because they're demonized, we think, oh, well, I shouldn't have, like you said, well, I shouldn't have been over there. 
but you trusted them. And you know what? Even whatever your thought process was, we were talking about consent, right? You were experiencing mental duress. You were under mental duress. So whatever led to you making the decision, that still did not give him... I mean, you've, you said you, you've gotten the help, so you know this already. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, yeah. Who might not? <laughs> you know, whatever whatever decision you make, that still does not give anyone license to violate your trust, to violate you as a person. But because we demonize drinking alcohol, we demonize using substances, and I'm not on this platform to say that you should be wilding out or whatever, to, he, to each his or her own. But just because people might have looked down on those behaviors and those activities, that still does not give anyone license to touch you, to violate you. No, absolutely not. And And I think because we don't, drive that point home. There are a lot of people who are suffering in silence. I know we use it as a, you know, as a cute little phrase, but it's true. People are literally cutting themselves and having suicidal thoughts because they've gone through this and they're blaming themselves because, you know, people say you shouldn't smoke weed. You shouldn't use recreational drugs. You shouldn't, you shouldn't. Da, da, da. So people are saying that. So that means that I shouldn't have, which means it's my fault that it happens to me. And that's, that's just not true. We can't allow younger people, older people, because it's happening to older people as well, to keep thinking this, that because of some substance or because of what they wearing, they were wearing, it makes it okay. I, I remember that I think Amnesty International shared this uh, uh, graphic of Gabrielle Union. And she mentioned, she was talking about her experience being sexually assaulted. And I don't know if she was blaming herself or someone on the outside was blaming her for what she was wearing. She's like, but I was on my way to work. So suggesting that she was wearing like something professional, or whatever. I was, I was on my way to work. So what? But even if I was wearing like nothing, that's still not an invitation. And I'm, I'm not sure what we can do as people, as individuals, as, you know, communities to drive that point home. Of course, having open dialogue like this, but like what, how much further do we need to go? Do we have to have trainings about sexual assault and the legal aspect in these places where the topic isn't usually covered? Like- We probably should, because I, I think it should be part of sex ed. How do you have sexual education, but you're not teaching on sexual assault? You're not teaching these young boys from a young age that you shouldn't grab a girl's butt. You shouldn't pull at her hair. You shouldn't grab her or touch her. Or young her. girls. Or young girls in any right. kind of way. Yeah, because some of y'all be grabbing at these boys' stuff. Right. I'm just saying. Yeah. Or, and, and, or, or, or same, same sex loving, all of that. Mm -hmm. I think it yep. should be taught in sex ed. If you have sexual education, then you need to teach it in its entirety. Sexual education does not just end with how a man and a woman conceive a child. No, right. it needs to be all encompassing of what can happen if you're inebriated, what can happen if you are high, what can happen if you're under the influence of anything, if you are mentally challenged, if you are what sex, sexual education should be all encompassing and it's not. And this is why you even have at a young age I was being sexually assaulted at a young age in an after-school program. All the guys used to keep doing is running up to me and grabbing my butt, running up to me and grabbing my butt, running up to me. And I was 
seven years old being touched by boys in an after school program, telling the counselors they're touching me until finally I grabbed a knife because we were the where the after school program was was inside of a church and they had a full kitchen and I grabbed the knife because I was going to stab the hell out that boy because I wanted to because that's how angry I got at the fact that no one was doing anything to help me so now I'm gonna help myself and I never forget they was up they were supposed to be doing some type of talent thing or whatever and I showed up went in that kitchen and I was like I'm gonna get him now while his guard is down I'm gonna get him because I'm going to teach you better than I can tell you. Because I keep telling you not to touch me. I keep telling you stop making fun of me. I keep telling y'all ain't listening, no problem. But then the school program, they wanted to, after school program, they wanted to tell my mother, well, she grabbed a knife. And I said, my mother's like, why are you grabbing a knife? I said, ask them why. Okay. I said, they keep touching me. And I don't want them to touch me. My mother said, my child is being touched here. Well, no, 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 no. And these are the things that we fail to understand and recognize. Seven years old, I was being touched by boys. I knew it was wrong. Hand, people putting, putting their hands down my shirt. What are you feeling? I'm seven. Ain't nothing there. But this is the stuff that we need to start teaching children at a young age. That's sexual assault. You cannot touch a person and they don't want to be touched. You know what I'm saying? And that's why now you got a lot of these kids in the law, you know, people, our age group, we were very ignorant to it, right? This current age group that's coming up in these, no, their parents ain't playing. They're pressing charges. That's why you got kids now at the ages of 13, 11 and 12, and, 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 and they got like pedophile type charges. Why? Because you're touching people. These things have to be taught. And that's the problem. It starts at a young age. If your child is old enough and start feeling themselves and also the extra stuff, they're old enough to understand the full gamut of sexual assault. You will be charged with any type of sexual assault if you think that you can have sex with anyone in a compromising position. I tell my nephews that all the damn time. I play no games with this stuff here. Because it's important. I feel that it's important for them to know as young men, be careful with what you do. Be careful, you know, because at any point in time, stuff can go left real quick. And it might not be what you wanted, but you need to be educated on what's happening out here because you need to know this stuff, you know. All right, Tay. Thank you so much for joining. I really, I got really, a little really... bit more time. I got some wiggle room. Okay, because I, <laughs> I wanted to, you know, because a part of this has a lot to do with um, toxic masculinity, mm. right? And I say that because sometimes, uh, and Gail sent me, a, hey, Gail, Gail sent me a comment. She said, can you talk about how they also think being that way is part of how they show their masculinity? And it is because for some, this over-sexualization for some men, it is part of toxic masculinity because it's like, it's a way to exude your, your masculinity over a, over a person, right? 
man, woman, whoever, child, whatever the case may be. It's a way in which you can, you're, you're attempting to exude that over a person, you know? Go ahead, Dr. Tay. You know what? I, I'm, I'm going to go out on the limb, and this might be an unpopular opinion. But speaking about toxic masculinity, that could be the result of some of these men being assaulted. And because there aren't safe emotional spaces for them to share that, they're trying to undo the trauma in traumatic ways, in traumatizing ways. It's called mastery. And sometimes people who have been in traumatic situations, unconsciously and sometimes consciously, they will find themselves in similar situations. And it's just like Super Mario Brothers. I know I'm dating myself. But you have to master that one level before you get to the next. To the next. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know what? I got it. I got it. Oh, I can fight them off this time. I can. So instead of going through that, you know, instead of processing the trauma in this mastery type of way, they're like, oh, well, maybe I'm going to try to master somebody else because I haven't mastered what I went through and then enter the toxic masculinity. And just like uh, Nurse Grace said, um, well, no, not, excuse me, MP Grace, excuse me. <laughs> she said, um, you know, you can either be very afraid of sexual activity or you can go the opposite direction mm -hmm. and be hypersexual, enter toxic masculinity. And we're not, we're not male bashing. The topic was mentioned, so that's why I'm focused on, on, on men. So you're going to engage in these hypersexualized behaviors all because you're unconsciously trying to undo your trauma. And we know we can't undo it, but that's how you're unconsciously trying to process what was done to you when you were a kid, when you were an infant, when you were a toddler. And you but, hear you hear stories from men like that, especially from their mother's friends. Oh no, my mom's friend, she, 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 what? That's not right. Babysitter. Yes, it is. You are a child. Yeah, you hear those stories. Yep. You hear them yep. a lot. And it's like, no, you was raped. No. No, she was showing me the ropes. No, she raped you. No, no, no. 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 She, she, she didn't have the legal authority or right because you couldn't consent as a child to let her do anything to you. No, she raped you. That's yep. what she... But that mindset, that culture... No, yep. I'm showing you the way. You can't show me nothing. Mm -hmm. You don't even, you don't even, you, you, you legally, you can't show me anything. And when you think of that, right, because women, some of y'all nasty looking here, some of y'all, because that's what you did to these young boys at a very young age. You over-sexualize them. You, I want to, and, and let me say this, some of you fathers, you did it to your sons. Oh, son, I got to show you the real way that when you see it, when you see a stripper, Oh, let me, let me take you here. Oh, let me show you this. Some of y'all, because I've heard some of y'all make them some type of comments. Oh, I'm going to, as soon as you hit 13, I'm going to get you a hooker and she's going to show, she's going to make a man out of you. How we make men? The devil's a liar. Because <laughs> mm -mm. see, these are the things that we got to start asking ourselves. Because these are the things that, that, that we've heard over the years, right? I got to make a man out of you. You know, once you become a man, oh, you got to go get your suck because you know what? Because that's what that's what's going to make you a man. Yeah. Let me know when you get. That's not normal. And it's not a normal conversation to have with a child. But for some reason, we made this crap OK. Culturally, we made it OK. 
culturally, we made it okay to over-sexualize our children, young men. And one thing, and what we tried to do with young girls was we tried to desexualize young girls. No, you can't dress like that. No, you can't do that. But we tried to desexualize young girls in the wrong way because we tried to desexualize them by telling them that what they wear could bring upon something onto them as opposed to teaching young girls to take pride in yourself and understand that if someone approaches you in a way in which you don't want them, you have the right to say no, you have the right to run, you have the right to report. See, we, we got it all backwards when it comes down to, that's why people, well, where did we go wrong? Parenting. And a lot of these parents, huh, a lot of them parents get upset. What do you mean? Don't sit up here and act like you ain't sit there and encourage that foolishness to go on. Don't sit up there and act like, and some of you, some, some, listen here, and I don't give a damn, I ain't a mother, but I've seen a whole lot. And some of you mothers and the conversation that you have around your children and the things that you let them hear, the things that you let them watch, the things that they listen to, all of that stuff plays a major role in how they view themselves and their behaviors, behaviors of birth off of patterns, as Gail would say, patterns, right, Gail? I ain't from Philly. I ain't saying no damn pattern, but that's what she'd be saying. But that's how they birth. They birth off of patterns. And this is the thing that we fail to understand. And some things are genetics, because guess what? If you got a history of rapists in your family, we got to start looking at this gene pool and figuring out what the hell is going on. There's a there, if there's a history of it, there's a culture of rape that's been brought up through the lines that hasn't been broken because somehow, some way the crap has been normalized. Because granddaddy did it to this one, that one did it to that one, that one did, and here we go up this line. And I'm not, I, and it's not a generational curse, it's a generational trauma effect that no one wants to deal with. Because we keep calling things generational curses and y'all sitting up here keep trying to break stuff that is not going to be broken because it's a traumatic response to what has happened hundreds of years ago and y'all don't want to deal with the trauma that's been causing your own families and you just want to keep calling it a curse and thinking you're going to be the curse breaker. No, you're not. Deal with the the offering plate. Get the offering plate. Put the cash app up because she preaching. <laughs> she preaching. <laughs> In this in this in this overly spiritualized world, we got a name for everything as opposed to dealing with what is happening to the family and to the structure of the family and these patterns that we refuse to break. It's a pattern. You gotta deal with the root. We want to keep calling everything. Oh, that's a demon. No, that was your grandfather, and you know it. Mm -hmm. Call it out. Call it by its name. If you really want to demonize something, you got to call it by its name. And that granddaddy did this to so-and-so. This one did this to this. This one, and this happened to me. But guess what? We ain't going to further this no more. Mm-hmm. You so guys, we're going to therapy. We're going to see Dr. Tay. We're going to go see MP Grace. We're going to go see the people to help us mm-hmm. unpack this trauma. Yeah. But that's the problem. We don't want to unpack trauma because if we think about it, that means I got to unpack me. And I don't want to unpack me. So mm-hmm. if I can't unpack me, then therefore we're going to keep the. No, we ain't keeping nothing going. We're going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you said something that was so good, right? Because you said, earlier that a lot of times what happens is when parents have been traumatized and have gone through something traumatic then what do they do they shelter their children that's what my mother did to me and my sister because she was sexually assaulted at a young age and me and my sister can go to nobody's house 
especially if they had a daddy. Mm-hmm. Look at yep. Dre. Look at Dre. Dre, get off my damn comment. Why wasn't I on this? You know, Dre, because he see, take because he see you up on here. Look at him. But that's the thing, Dre, because you're not in law enforcement or a psychologist. That's why. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it in in the practice. You know, as you said, it's a generational pattern. I've seen, um, you know, mother been sexually abused. Then come to find out the child sexually abused. And it's just, he said, I'm a pastor. You know, I'm, like, I'm not doing this today with y'all. I'm not doing this today with y'all. That's what I'm not going to do. Okay. I'm not going to. Every time I try and be serious, that's why you. Uh, I'm a pastor. Okay. Bring, bring, bring. Uh, she, Dr. Tay already said, bring the offering pray. <laughs> Can't stand her. I mean, we <laughs> listen for real, but it's it's about not. Like I'm trying to keep it to an hour. I'm like, okay. Yeah, these these topics are like two plus hour conversation. They really are. I'm like, they yeah. are. this is a conversation. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about levels. Yeah, so many levels to this. It's like it's just by getting to the root of it. If you want to break these things off your family, you have to speak up. You can't. You you. Someone has to speak up. You know, somebody has to speak speak up. So it's about having, like you said, not just in the type of environment, but having conversations in your family, and you can't be scared to speak up. You know, I know it can be a little daunting, especially if. I hate to say like the black sheep, you know, the all ball, the people, you know, because your family, you know, family members have picks, you know, and <laughs> and if you know they do, my family got their picks in the family. No one wants to talk about it. You're bringing shame to the family, all this foolishness that we hear that's been normalized. So the only way to break generational patterns is by opening your mouth and having conversations, getting to the root of it, and then getting the, the help that is needed, whatever resource that it, it that's needed. I mean, I'm always I'm always been an advocate for therapy. I'm like, go get some therapy. But but that's just me. Maybe I'm a little biased, but but you know, you gotta you gotta get to the root of it. You gotta get to the root of it, or it's just gonna repeat itself. It may not happen to your children, but it may happen, you know, to their children because no one's really spoken about it and it's just been brush underneath the rug and we got to get away from that you know and to break shame and all these things we have to break those things too by talking and making it okay to talk about this and and just under letting this letting people understand that their experience is not their identity mm -hmm. you know what I mean? that you know to 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 sever that connection so people could be more comfortable to talk about and start validating people's feelings. There's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is when you pity someone. Empathy is understanding. You may not have walked through their shoes, but you have understanding. So we have to we have to just get to that place of having an empathetic ear and being uh, and and be, validate people's feelings so they can have a positive environment where they can speak up and not receive retribution or some backlash or or shame or ridicule because they spoke up. How are you going to break these things off your family if everyone's being silent? Right. Or calling things demonic. That's what the devil wants you to do anyway. He wants y'all to shut up 
So y'all won't um, <laughs> break these things off your family. So you're doing the exact opposite. Exactly. <laughs> you're doing, exactly. you're not helping your situation. And if you want to call it demonic, then baby, you got to speak. The, this mm -hmm. is it, the muzzle is off. The muzzle needs to be off, okay? All the way. <laughs> all the way. That the word says. Listen. We overcome by the word of the, the blood of the lamb and the word the of our testimony. testimony. You got to speak up. You got to speak up. You got to get the boldness and courage to speak up and, and just and, and, and go forward with this. By us being silent and not talking about it within our families, all you're doing is it's just going to continue to perpetuate and just continue going from one generation to another. So anyway. I know you do. Bye, Mama. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Bye. Dr. Tay, go ahead. Give us some of your closing thoughts because I know you got to go soon, too. You know, it's every time I tell you this, though, we know that's why she up here. I can't. Y'all a mess. <laughs> but, you know, in addition, what's connected to talking is talking in those uncomfortable places. I mean, it's an uncomfortable topic, but there are places like church where the conversation needs to be had and it needs to be normalized. Not only having the conversation, having focus groups, having trainings, because there are some people who have experienced this in church and have been in church so long and been in church so long and it's been normalized so long that they've been carrying this and don't even know that they're carrying it. Mm -hmm. They're functioning in a trauma response and don't even realize it for so long that they've been accepting it as their norm. So we need to go into what we're, as, as believers, we're, we're supposed to bring light into the dark places, right? We need to bring awareness into the places where these things are happening and no one's having a conversation about it. Yes, and can you bring them back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to get these schedules aligned again. You know, what one thing I say, and I, and I think, I think you, Tay, I think AJ, I think Grace, because you guys were so willing to come on. And there were um, like two other people that were actually willing to come on, but, you know, scheduling and, and, and a lot of other things happened where they couldn't make it perfectly fine. But I thank y'all for being willing to come on and have this conversation, because like I said, and let me put this caveat out there super quick. Anyone from my family that's listening to this, if y'all tell my mother I was sexually assaulted, I'm going to cuss you out. I'm putting that out there right now because don't go running and telling Lori nothing. She don't need to know some things. I talk about it openly, but she don't follow my podcast, and I'm happy that she doesn't. It's perfectly okay. And don't tell Martin neither. If you tell Martin, y'all all getting cussed out. I'm telling y'all right now. Word to the wise. Now, anyway, um, because we need to have these conversations because it's important so that we can remove the stigma off of being afraid to open your mouth and speak. Like how we yeah. had the woman, Trinette, she said it, it just happened to her. I create this type of dialogue for the simple fact that if it can help anyone, I right. want to be able to help them to see, number one, it was not their fault. Number two, it was not their fault. Number three. One more time for the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. And we have to get away from um, faulting the victim, right? I also want to say, if a person views you as a trusted ear, a trusted voice, hold on to that. Because probably one of the worst things you can do when a person is a confiding in you something traumatic that happened to them one of the worst things you could say to that person is, well, why did you do this? 
You're no longer a trusted voice or an ear for that person. I just want everybody to know that. You will no longer be that person for that person. They will no longer trust you. They will no longer confide in you because you clearly don't know how to be a support as opposed to a hindrance or a blocker of healing. Because at the end of the day, to then reverse the situation onto the person and then make the person question themselves, which then in an effect invalidates them all over again, you've just re-traumatized the person all over again. Yeah. So we have, and, and for a person that has been a victim of anything, you have to know who your trusted voices are. You have to know, truth, a lot of people don't know this and who do know this, but don't at the same time. Gail's probably one of the first, Gail was the first person I called when the situation happened to me. She was the first person that knew about it. She's a trusted voice. She's someone whom I know I can call when something like that happens. She's probably, she was one of the first people I told. I literally only told three people. I got three real trusted voices. For the people that I can confide in when something traumatic happens to me. And all three of them, Gail is one of them. My other friend Gail is another one. And my friend Veronica was another one. And none, all three of them never invalidated my experience. There was no question. It was like, yo, what the hell happened? What do you mean? Are you okay? That's how you know when you have people that you can trust in your corner because they're going to make sure you're okay. And I think that that's important, you know? And on top of that, you know, at the, at the same time, you know, and Gail's like my number one. Nikia, you just need to go to therapy. <laughs> I still fight her on that, but that's okay. You know what I'm saying? But it's important Girl. to at least have trusted people around you. Don't do me, um, Tay. Come on now. You couldn't say that and not get the side eye. Yes, drink. Drink your drink, okay? <laughs> you have people on here who are biased. We gonna tell you get some therapy. But that's... I'm, you know I'm joking with you, but therapy is so but helpful. It's, the truth. And it's so helpful. And, you know, people sometimes assume that, oh, um, if I go to therapy, that means I'm crazy in, in heavily italicized and bolded quotes. No, it means heavily. that you might just need that extra support and also need the feedback of a professional because, you know, there's value in going to the homegirls and the homeboys, but sometimes you need someone who can help you synthesize that information training that they've been given they you know that they've gotten so anybody who's been thinking about therapy here's your message go seek therapy get help there are resources if you need the resources you can reach out to Nakia you can reach out to me directly that's why we have these spaces so that people can get the information that they need so that they can start the conversations that they didn't feel empowered to have in other circumstances. And so that we can all be free and we can all get healed. That's what the goal is, essentially. And all jokes aside, that literally is the goal. And I want to thank you, Dr. Tay Bassett. Yes. Thank you so much for thank coming. You for on. having me. Yes, thank you for lending your time. Thank you for lending your brain, your intelligence, your words. I really appreciate it. And we will definitely get you guys back on here again. Um, and we're going to keep it moving forward because, like I said, one of the things that I love, I love to have um, educated conversations 
and especially conversations where no one can refute because you brought in the experts. Okay. And that's what y'all, y'all, y'all were for me tonight. I'm just a person living life, going through so many different life experiences and changes. And I wanted to talk about this. To be honest, one of the reasons why I even thought of this topic was because of what happened to me. What happened to me only happened maybe two months ago. It wasn't a long time ago, right? This it happened like maybe two months ago, right? So for me, I said, I want to talk about this because this is a culture. This is a culture issue. And I, I feel that we need to have this level of conversation surrounding this culture, okay? Because anyone that sits up here and tries to make this okay, something is wrong with you. And I want you to know this, Nakia speaking, I'm telling you something's wrong with you and you need to get your brain checked as well as getting your check because, or your check, because at the end of the day, there are some things that as a man and as a woman, you just should not do. And taking advantage of another person when they are visibly incapable um, and you know that they are, whether it's a child, whether it's an adult, whether whoever, there's something wrong with your brain and your brain operates in monster mentality and you need to go get that checked. So it's the key is speaking. With that being said, I want to thank y'all for coming on. I want to thank everyone for watching. I want to thank you for all of your comments. I want to thank you for everything um, that you guys contribute to this platform. But for the next two weeks, we're going to be off on this platform because, you know, Nikki has got some things to do. So for the next two weeks, there will not be a Muzzles Off podcast. We will be back on the third week. All right. So until we see y'all again, good night, be safe, be healed. And remember, keep that muzzle off. Bye.